Christ above us, Christ below us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ beside us, Christ with us. Amen. Please be seated. I have quite a few friends who were in the military. Um, I did a funeral for a lady last week who was in the Marines during World War II, as a matter of fact. Uh, Many of you uh, served our country honorably. Um, and, And those of you who've told me stories about going to boot camp as young men and women um, have shared that once you get over the initial shock, physical and mental shock, it's kind of liberating, really, to be told what to do all the time and not, not to have to think much and just respond to commands. Exhausting, but liberating. Because in the military, one has to follow commands or... Uh, risk punishment at the hands of a ranking officer. There's many a young person I know who had a lot of trouble in high school and got into one thing after another, went in the military and wound up being very successful, some of them for the first time, because living under the command of their officers helped them to find direction, helped them to find purpose, maybe even made them feel safe. And we like it that military officers and military enlisted people can take commands because sometimes they get commanded to do things that are very unpleasant, very uncomfortable. And you know, we all need commandments. It's something that's been true about humanity for a very long time. Commandments and laws have given us direction and purpose and order They kept chaos at bay in society. And you know, these are good rules. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't worship other gods, don't covet. Keep Sabbath, honor our elders, don't steal. Of course, these are good rules for a decent and peaceful world. These are rules that have held us together um, and allowed, given us the chance to behave decently at times, maybe even when we didn't want to. But there's one thing about commandments, is that they command us. And commandments aren't always easy to follow. And they're not really as simple as they sound. We also have the freedom to, to disobey them, don't we? Even an obvious one. Thou shalt not kill, for instance. That's a tough one. That one puts us in some uncomfortable places, doesn't it? I mean, does it just mean thou shalt not murder? Or does it mean that we can't kill anyone? Now, Mennonite and Quaker Christians and some others take it to mean we are not to kill anyone, and so they're pacifists. Many of them have been conscientious objectors and have not participated in wars. And yet I've heard fundamentalist preachers say that it just means murder and then preach sermons from pulpits justifying capital punishment. And so commandments are not easy, are they? But I think that's why they're called commandments and not suggestions. 
in John's gospel, even as Jesus is being all gentle and he's washing the feet of his friends, he commands them in the midst of an act of comfort. He lays some discomforting marching orders on his people. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. A rule, a law, a commandment that says love one another. I can just imagine what the disciples thought because I'm pretty sure that they didn't even all the time like each other. Earlier in Luke, uh, they argue about who is going to be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom. They fracture apart and hide when Jesus is killed. A couple of them even betray him. And so, lest we forget the rest of the story here, Uh, They later proved that this very commandment was hard for them. And you know, it ought to be hard for them. It ought to be hard for us. Because this kind of love that Jesus is talking about should be uncomfortable. Jesus sits literally in the place of servitude. The dirtiest job you can have at a dinner party in a moment of voluntary discomfort. He sits there for the benefit of his friends to drive home this point. Because he wants them to put themselves in the very same place that he is in for one another, and most especially for all of God's children. If you were over in Ellis tonight and got your feet washed, or you've ever had your feet washed in church, Um, You've had a small taste of that discomfort. I don't know about all of you, but I have ugly, messed up looking feet. Yet tonight, I let someone from my church family, my boss, wash them. (laughs) That was uncomfortable. And I think it was uncomfortable for a lot of you to have your feet washed. I hope one day we can find ourselves washing feet right here on Monday, Thursday in this service. Thereby connecting together the experience of foot washing with the Eucharist that we share, the last Eucharist before Good Friday. But we don't have any pails or, or towels or water here. So the best we can do is kind of a mental foot washing. So just take a second, take a breath. I'm going to ask you some questions and try to guide you through a little bit of this holy discomfort that we feel and that Jesus' followers felt in foot washing. What are those things about you that you don't want anyone to know? What brings you great shame? What do you hide from most people? What is it that you hate most about yourself? The doubt 
that you shoulder. Name it. And see Jesus sitting at your feet. Who do you hate? Who is in most need of your of your forgiveness? Who do you call enemy? Be they in your personal life or someone in world affairs or national affairs that you don't even know. Picture them and see Jesus sitting at their feet. Who are the people in your life who have a hard time being loved? The difficult relative, the cranky co-worker, the Facebook pundit. Picture them, name them, and see Jesus sitting at their feet. This is uncomfortable love from Jesus. If Jesus sat at our feet like Peter, I'm sure that we would ask him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Yet Jesus says to us, unless I wash you, You have no share with me. A God who kneels to serve us? A God who is wholly giving of himself to a faulty and sometimes unlovable humanity like us? This is an uncomfortable love. And it ought to be. Not only for each of us individually, but for all of us. For all of us gathered here as a church. It's harder still to comprehend as we anticipate that this Lord of love will head to the cross, head to Jerusalem, to continue giving himself away for us. This uncomfortable love from Jesus. Large churches like ours, the gathered body of God's people. If we are to live what Jesus says is a command, we have to be conscious of the fact that all of this that surrounds us, all of this love that we have for one another, that we express to one another on this Maundy Thursday, all this opulence, all this beauty. It's meant to be given away. This is uncomfortable love. And if we are to continue being that church, how might we turn our attention and energy towards this command that we love with the same self-giving love that God has for us and give ourselves away as a church? How do we sit at the floor, at the feet of the poorest in our midst? People who, who walk this block who can't afford affordable housing. People who walk this block in the clutches of horrific, yet wholly treatable mental illness. Children of God, little children, 
parents unhoused by predatory landlords sleeping in cars right here literally at our feet. This is uncomfortable love. Reverend Natasha Reed Rice spoke yesterday at our lunchtime series, finished our three-day series about the prophetic Jesus. She made an interesting point at the end of her speech. It's more of an aside, really, and she said she thought about not saying it. But it was a viewpoint I shared with her, and I was actually surprised that she said it because I'd just been thinking it. She noted that since Notre Dame Cathedral had burned down, upwards of one billion, with B, dollars had been raised for a beautiful place, a place where many people go to experience God and see beauty and truth, but a building. This highlights the fact that we do indeed have enough resources right now, even in and amongst the 1%, the 5%, the 10%, to probably do things like solve world hunger and maybe even put a dent in income inequality and homelessness. If we can, as a global community, raise a billion dollars to rebuild the spires on Notre Dame. We here, right now, have the resources amongst us to continue to grow in our service and love for the people outside of these walls right now. Because if we are to continue following this command, then our hardest work as a wealthy and powerful church will be to set our heart and soul towards giving ourselves away, sitting at the feet of the poor and the hated and the imprisoned and the mentally ill and the hungry and the difficult and the misfit. Because remember, a commandment has been issued by Jesus, a gift of uncomfortable love in his mandate. Tonight, on this Maundy Thursday, this Thursday of the mandate, let us rededicate ourselves to this command to love everyone and one another as Christ loved us. This is the commandment that will hold us together. This is the true source of wealth and peace. And in the end, for all of us everywhere, our only hope.